Pints and Bites Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. Tights and Bites Podcast. Tights and Bites. Right in light of city, gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. There's a thousand pretty women <laughs> waiting out there, and they're all living. The devil may care, and I'm just the devil with a love to spare. Oh, Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas! Viva! Viva! Tights and fights! The wrestling podcast that discusses your favorite thing in the world with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm Corazon de Lubleon, Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by my fellow member of the Nation of Conversation, Cream of the Kelk, Kelk of the Coffee in the Big Time, Lindsay Kelk. Oh, yeah. Dig it. Hello. I think we need more macho man from you. I think we need more macho Hal. In college, I went on a friend's radio show. And for an hour was Randy Macho Man Savage. <laughs> Another time I went in and for an hour was Captain Horatio Alger Crunch. Good for you. Good for you getting out, putting yourself out there. <laughs> so I like to think those things got me where I am now. Aww. Hey, Lindsay, guess what happens next Sunday? Oh my God, what happens next Sunday? The London Podcast Festival. And we are going to be there doing a show at 12.30 p.m. Pacific time. That is... 8.30 p.m. BST, yes. as the kids call it, on Sunday, <laughs> September 12th. We have a link in our show notes to where you can purchase tickets. But hey, those of you who are on the East Coast, the West Coast, all around the world listening, figure out what it is in your time zone. You can come be a part of it. This is a virtual show. We are not going to be on location at all. So it's a show for everybody, but specifically as part of the London Podcast Festival. And again, go to our show notes Check it out. There are tickets you can purchase via link. It's going to be a good time. And Julian, am I correct that what we record is not immediately going out on the podcast feed? So you need to be there. No, not immediately. Yes. I just, you don't know if it will ever appear, but we are going to be, should we talk about <laughs> what we're going to be discussing? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we can. Let's get yeah, let's excited. It, actually. If we're going to go to London, we might as well talk about the time one of the biggest summer slams of all time was held in 1992 at Wembley Stadium. We're going to take you through the entire pay-per-view. It is just about a week away, and we want you to be there, so go to the show notes. Use the link to purchase tickets. Please join us. Now, SummerSlam wrapped up two weekends ago. Who even knows anymore? But it is over. Who cares? <laughs> but this weekend, we have AEW's All Out. They're WrestleMania. And before we talk about the lead-up to that, there was another pay-per-view recently, which is the brainchild of Mickey James. NWA Empower, an all-women's <laughs> wrestling pay-per-view. Yes. Lindsay, you got to see some of it. Uh, were there any highlights? Do you want to give an overall impression of it? I did, and I do. Um, I'm going to save one match uh, to talk about the end of the show that I thought was really okay. good and some of the talent in that match that I thought was fantastic. Uh, Mickey James produced this. Mickey James put it together. We love Mickey, obviously. We're mm -hmm. pro Mickey James podcast. Yep. It was really moving to see her come out and introduce it and to talk about how people had said this couldn't be done. 
and look at it getting done, fellas. So that was really exciting. I also really enjoyed her dress, side note, thought she looked great. But yeah, it was a really fun pay-per-view. It put together a lot of really great indie talent. They build it as the best talent across various promotions and that they had people there from, from Impact, TNA. They had people from NWA, obviously. They had people from AEW. Some of that was a little tenuous. <laughs> it was like, these people from AEW. And then when you go on the AEW roster, they're not even there because it's like they've been on AEW the one time. Um, but Red Velvet was there, and I, I think she's like very legit AEW to me these days. There were just some really, really good matches, and it was a good mix of up and coming talent and some of the legends and veterans that, especially the ones that were in the in between times. You know, we saw Gail Kim get her moment, we saw Awesome Kong come out and announce her retirement. <laughs> And some really, really fun matches. The production wasn't always amazing. Like, you know, you have to call out flaws when you see it as well as celebrate because these things can only get better with time. It was the first time this happened. I hope it happens every year now. I hope some of those snafus get fixed. There were a couple of times when it's like, the camera's not working. And a couple of times where you're like, only one camera is working and it's not the camera that's on the action. But that doesn't make it any less worth your time. And it didn't take away from how great the show was. One thing that I was worth pointing out that I noticed is that uh, Smiley Kylie Ray was on the show. Big mm-hmm. fan of Smiley Kylie Ray. And it reminded me that she was an original AEW talent. She was their big woman that they signed right at the beginning and if you remember Cody got in trouble for shitting on Bailey saying who needs a fake smiley character when we've got the real thing in smiley Kylie Ray and then she asked for her release from AEW and is now on the indies so I thought that was an interesting thing to note because we often talk about who will be the first person to leave AEW and actually somebody already left AEW and it was Kylie Ray right back at the beginning and we never really found out why we never she just she just asked to leave and they said Good day to you, sir. Maybe she had the right idea. We don't know. I miss not seeing her on Dark Elevation or AEW Ultron or AEW Starscream or whatever it's going to be next week. But yeah, it's really fun. It's definitely worth checking out. Uh, Marty Bell, I thought, was fantastic. A real standout for me. The Diana Parazzo Molina match was brutal like brutal Melina was selling an injury in that match that I was like I don't even know if this is a sell Melina might be dead I really don't know do check it out if you can and we are going to talk a little bit more about it at the end of the show great let's move on to Smackdown where Finn Balor is going to be wrestling for the Universal title tonight as we record this it will have happened by the time you listen Finn Balor obviously one of the several people who were going to feed to Roman in the lead up to Brock's return match. Where, where does Finn fit on this roster? It, fe- it felt like obviously his his main roster, quote unquote, run started off red hot, ended under unfortunate circumstances. Then he comes back. They just never really knew what to do with him. They bring him back to NXT and that gives him a fresh start. There was no particular reason to have him out of NXT, and yet here he is on the SmackDown roster where it doesn't seem like there is a place for him. Like, I don't see where he fits in with the number of people they have there who are working right now. I know. It concerns me that they 
I love Finn. I'll watch him do anything. I will watch sure. any of his matches. It doesn't matter what match it is. It doesn't matter what storyline it's part of. I want to see his wrestling. I love to watch his wrestling. It concerns me that they are slotting him into a, we can throw this guy at anything role, which we talk about all the time, the danger of that role and what it does to that person's career and where they end up after it. I just kind of wish they hadn't put him in with Roman when he's not going to beat Roman. Like, I don't like to see him in filler feuds. I'd be down to see him get the IC or the US belt and be amazing at it, like wherever he ends up. I just don't want to see him get lost in the mix. I know he'll do an amazing job. I know this match will be really, really, really good. But I, I am concerned as to where it goes after this. Those people who can heat up or work on anything, it's great because you almost always have a job because you're needed. Yeah. But that's not him, in my opinion. And he still feels special. I don't I, I don't know a better way to put it, but he still feels like someone who could, at any point, you could put any title on him and he would carry it and make the title feel important. 100%. 100%. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Ultimately, I guess we'll just sort of have to see how it goes. That's with everything, right? Yeah. Everything we just have to see. We'll see how it goes. We remain hopeful, but it's just a weird fit. There's too many people not getting attention. Naomi showing up on SmackDown now in a very weird... Like, I still love Naomi. I I know, because she's great. I just... I think she would excel. It would be a big help to her to have someone be her mouthpiece. Because everything she does physically, Mm -hmm. I believe... When she is delivering those lines, it's not quite there yet. There's something about it where I go like, all right, she's doing, like, what does it mean when someone's angry? I'm going to show, I'm going to make angry face. I'm going to do that. Like, it just, there's something about it that takes away rather than add to, even if it, even if the writing is good. I think she can be and she has been fantastic on the mic. I think there are examples of where she's really good at it, but mm. I think... Naomi is someone who does suffer. She doesn't really suffer from ring rust. She suffers from promo rust. Like the more time she's away, it takes her more time to get back into the character side of things. I feel like, um, and it does. It is a shame because it takes away from how fucking good she is and the emotional connection she has with the crowd, which she has through her work. She has that through her performance, and I think a lot of that mm-hmm. is her background as a dancer. She knows how to communicate with her body. She knows what she's doing. She's so talented. Um, but yes, I think sometimes there is a disconnect. Would you be interested in seeing her join the bloodline? Is that something that interests you? I'm interested on her yes. keeping a close eye on her husband. So someone needs to. Someone needs to put Naomi in charge yeah, I, of that man. <laughs> I think that is a great opportunity to have a overall group that she is a part of so she doesn't have to carry as much of the load. And there is a difference between her cutting a promo in front of a crowd of people and backstage where there are no people. And it's just that there's something about it that threw me off of it and I wanted to like it more than I did. And everybody has off days. We're going to talk about that when we get to Raw. But yeah. I would love to see her in Bloodline. I think if they see the success they've had on NXT with Legato and with Hit Row, how they've had these mixed gender groups, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't do it. Why they, you know, there's nothing to lose for anyone in the mix by putting her into Bloodline. She doesn't have anything to lose by joining a faction that's on the up and they don't have anything to lose by bringing her in. 
It gives them another dimension. It gives them another shade. I want to see Paul Heyman announcing Naomi. I want to see Paul Heyman walking Naomi to the ring. I want to see him give her the she has been here being amazing who dares come and step to Naomi chat. Like, let's see that, please. (laughs) That would be nice. Uh, Let's move over to Raw where Damian Priest, Sheamus, and Drew McIntyre had a really good U.S. title match. Damian Priest retaining just three hosses. Yeah. Having a hoss Love fight. Love to see it. Big boy, <laughs> big boy season. It is September. It's We're into big boy season. Big boy yeah. season. So... It is big boy season officially. We need a song. Every season gets a song. We should get a song. Welcome to big boy season. You don't have to go out. The big boys are coming to you. So again, you don't have to go out. It's so catchy. Every so... every year from September 1st, I drop the needle on that one. And it's uh, it's my favorite. <laughs> so we, we referred earlier sometimes people have a bad day oh, woof you had a bad day oh I hate that fucking song don't you do it the rest don't you of dare. Don't you sorry dare. sorry sorry I, you know, I, I don't like it either I don't like it either no one I does. don't like it either <laughs> oh, you wrote a bad song alright uh, Charlotte and Nia Jax had a match it physically hurts me to think about it like it causes me pain to think about that match. Holy shit, Hal. I hate saying, like, this person's good or this person's bad because I've never even set foot inside of a ring. Yeah. I got to walk close to one once, and that was real cool. So I don't know what I'm talking about. So as an outside observer with no knowledge of anything, is it possible Nia Jax is better in presentation than in application as a performer in the ring? All things are possible. I think we've we've established that. Um, I I've read so many theories on this, or so many sources say bullshit um, on this. Anywhere where you read a sources say about wrestling, please, people, right. please. Mm-hmm. And so someone say, oh, they were trying to work a shoot and make you believe they really hate each other. I'm like, well, congrats if that is the case, because I really fucking do. I also read something that Charlotte was furious that they had booked Nia to go over on her when she had just run the belt, which I also fully believe. I would be too. So you see that Charlotte maybe didn't come to work wanting to play that day, uh, which you can kind of see. And then I also did a little, I did some journalism, you guys. I did some Mm. journalism and I took it upon myself to research how many members of the women's roster Naya has injured. I can't say whether or not she is good at her job because I am not her boss. It's not my it's not my position to say whether or not she is good at her job. What I can right. do is look at the number of people in her relatively short career that she has caused serious injury to. And it is a big number. It is a lot of people. Like she basically ended Kyrie Sane's career. Uh, let's not forget she busted Becky's nose open. Uh, mm-hmm. She has injured Bailey. She has injured Charlotte before. She has injured Ember Moon, which was never announced, but she Ember Moon's husband tweeted about it. So I'm I'm prepared to take Ember Moon's husband's word on that. She's injured Mandy Rose. She injured right. Zelina Vega. If she was having a bad day, she's had a lot of bad days. And yes, lots of wrestlers have caused injury accidentally. Seth has injured people really badly. We know that. You know, he, the Finn injury was terrible. John Cena had to get a nose job because of Seth. But Seth wrestles. Sting. Sing. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> he still wrestles. Uh, but I feel like the numbers don't work in her favor there either. Seth wrestles a lot of very aggressive matches and a lot more matches than Nia wrestles. Her style really scares me. And this match was both 
unpleasant to watch as as a re- from a wrestling perspective like they're not wrestling they're just pushing each other around and slapping at each other like it was like watching a drunk fight outside of Weatherspoons in Nottingham at 3am like like they were fighting for the last taxi i'm like what is wrong ladies like this is not professional and if this is you you know you're trying to work a shoot it looks terrible it looked sloppy it looked ugly you could see every time when Charlotte just refused to go up into a move. And so many of Nia's injuries have been because she cannot control her own strength. The people she's working with are, by and large, much smaller than she is. So when she mm-hmm. uses the, her force and her, her strength, they can't counter it because they're too small. And then they can't work their own weight to land safely. With Charlotte, Charlotte has a she's in a slightly better position there because she's so much taller and she is so athletic and she is so in control of herself. So when you see her being dumped on her shoulder and being dumped on her side, it looks brutal. I was genuinely concerned for the whole thing. The whole thing. I just I don't I don't know and I don't care if this was on purpose. If it was on purpose, both of you need to be sent to the head teacher to get spoken to. And if it wasn't, both of you need to get sent to the head teacher to be spoken to. Like, there's no good mm-hmm. version of this. I really don't think there is. It was so ugly. If this yeah. is going to turn into a feud between the two of them, God help everyone involved. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just don't yeah, feel good about uh, it, you guys. I'm trying to find a positive, but I don't think there is one. Naya's hair looks great. You know what? Sometimes when you need a positive, you have to look elsewhere. Let's talk about the women's division in NXT. Mandy Rose uh, was in the opening match. Yeah. I thought she looked pretty good. I thought she looked pretty good. Good for yeah. Mandy Rose. I think that's just like, I feel bad for Mandy Rose because I have interviewed her a couple of times and she genuinely mm-hmm. does love what she's doing and she's genuinely working really fucking hard. She is one of those wrestlers that's like, I want to prove I, des- I deserve to be. She's always been portrayed portrayed as the dumb blonde, you know, as like the golden goddess, as this sexy thing and not as a talent. Mm -hmm. I think that's worked against her in a very unfair way. I think her fitness model background has worked against her. It's like, yes, she does look incredible. That doesn't mean she can't go. When she walked out, I was like, oh my God, I didn't know she was going to wrestle. And then I remember that I'm supposed to reserve that feeling for Eva Marie. This is someone who is entirely entitled to be on the roster and working and i thought she acquitted herself very well i'm interested to see her build this new stable i want to see what she can do let's give her a chance yeah my favorite match of the night was gargano versus la night everyone's favorite clearly i mean just everything just the entrance (sighs) all the stuff with index is great we're now a week and a half away from the big wedding do you have your outfit picked out i'm so excited Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm gonna change outfits a okay. couple times. Oh yeah, I mean that, that's fair. They would want the, they would want you to. Yeah, I have all my my tight vests ready to go. <laughs> but it's just also a really well worked match by both. I mean Johnny Gargano is so good, but so is La Knight. Like yeah. the lot, like just little little logical moments. He's working the left arm, so when he gets free, La Knight's hitting him with right elbows. Like just yeah, I, I love the the Gargano coming into the ring. L.A. Knight trying to drop an elbow and Gargano sliding back out so that he re-injures his elbow. Just, like, smart storytelling by two guys who know how to tell stories between the ropes. Doesn't it feel like L.A. Knight's been there forever? Doesn't it feel like he's always been there? 
I love when it works well. like that at NXT. I love when they bring someone in and he is just a piece of the puzzle that fits straight away. I feel like I've been watching him feud with Johnny Gargano for their whole career uh, and mm-hmm. that I could watch it go for another 10 matches. Like I, And I feel like that about all of his matches. I felt mm-hmm. like the Cameron Grimes thing was so fantastic. I felt like his yep. carry and cross challenges was so fantastic. Like, he could do anything. It's slightly terrifying. I mean, dude's in his 30s. He's been doing this is for a long time. Is he in his 30s or is he, he even in his 40s? He is an no, uh, older uh, gentleman. No, I think, he's, I think he's mid to late 30s. I, I mean, I want him to be 22 so he can go forever. But yeah, yeah. he's not I mean, a baby. I know that. Shape. LA Knight's to 38. 38. Yes, there you go. Nice. Late 30s. And he looks like he's, He-Man. So what's not yeah, to love? Yeah, he's built well. He knows his character. Yes, inside the out. The guy is just electric on a microphone, just knows how to talk into a microphone. Yeah. If MJF stays healthy, LA Knight is like, that's his ghost of Christmas future. Yeah. 100%. Like, yeah. Th- and that is the best possible to both. Like, just preternaturally gifted on the microphone. Yeah. And then LA Knight is, uh, MJF is, is, is a good wrestler. L.A. Knight is someone who you could tell has been putting together and and pulling off matches for a long yeah, time. He feels he like, like a vet. He, he feels like a vet. Yeah, exactly. And that's why he fits so well. You could put him on any that that character works in in any setting. Yeah. So you could put him on any roster. This it's is I don't want him to NXT. go up, but I also feel like he could no. walk into the main roster and rinse it tomorrow. Oh my God! He would be a great Royal Rumble winner. He would be a oh, great. So he'd be even better money. Money in the bank. In the bank totally. Ugh, I want to see him get the money in the bank briefcase. <laughs> they just fuck with Roman for about six months. Like I would yeah. happily engage in that. Uh, I have some money. WWE. Would you like it? I know you would. I know you would. Yeah. Just, just so good. All right. Now we've talked about NXT. Now it's time. For the most spectacular, hardest-hitting, wonderful, wide-ranging segment, not just in pro wrestling podcasts, but in all podcasts ever in the history of humankind, and that is what's happening in the AEW women's division with Lindsay Kelk. Lindsay, what happened this week? Well, do you know what happened this week, Hal? We ladies Hmm. caught a break. In a week hey. in which our uh, us ladies did not catch a break as a country, uh, mm-hmm. Tony was like, I'm going to throw you ladies a bone. It's been a rough week for, for all of you. I'm sending you something. Something went wrong with Pac Andrade on the all-out match that was planned. So It said travel restrictions, but I think we all know what these things mean. What What is restricting travel these days? I can't think. Did Pac's mm. passport expire? What could it be? <sighs> but Pac Andrade is off. So the ladies' battle royal got bumped up to the main show. We are lucky pups indeed. Uh, this was handled very badly on social media where it was literally just like, can't have this bo- match of these two boys I like, so I'm going to let the ladies go, says Tony. Um, it's just, just so unself-aware, but just such a wonderful example of what is wrong with the AEW women's division. That it wasn't just mm-hmm. like good news, we're putting the women's battle royal on the main event because it's so fucking exciting and we're so fucking pumped for it. It was like, had to move the boys so the ladies may go on. Where, where is their chief brand officer? Who can say? Um, just saying real dumb stuff on Twitter. Anyway, what happened in AEW women's division this week? One match! One match happened in the AEW's win division on Dynamite this week. We obviously haven't seen Rampage yet. Huzzah. 
Ugh. We had Ty Conti versus Penelope Ford. Bunny got mm-hmm. involved. Then Anna Jay ran out and she's back and she got involved. So there was a really exciting moment where we had four blonde white women with huge boobs in the ring all facing each other off and getting mad. And suddenly I thought I'd been transpi- transported back in time to 2002. And it was like the most exciting moment ever because I was 22 again. Um, but it wasn't to be. It was just you know this fantastic new promotion that's for everyone and and establishing the future so that was great but they did then follow that up with a backstage segment with nyla jade and thunder rosa so they put all of the brown ladies together because you know that's nice i'm sure they like being together and not mixed in with everyone else it was just a slightly rough awkward segment where nyla and jade pushed thunder rosa down thunder did take her earrings out which i thought was a magical moment took a great big hoops out ready to scrap and then Vicky Guerrero was like, let's not fight now. Let's save it for all out when money's on the line. And I got really excited at the idea that we were going to have a Nyla Jade match, but we're not. They're just in the Battle Royal, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> which is just fucking nuts. Imagine having all the talent that they have. And we'll talk about it more next week, I'm sure. But there is so much talent, especially it was on the NWAM Power Show. So I've seen how fucking good a lot of these women are. I've seen how amazing they are. And they're just going to throw them all in the ring at once. And we're going what, to... What's the over-under on how long this match is going to last? Who wants to take a bet? Ten minutes. I'm bringing you in, Julian. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 15, actually. I think they'll go 15. Let's set 10 minutes. You're going to take the over? Yes. You're going to take the over? Yeah, because I was going to go with 12. So I think, like... Also taking the over. We feel strongly we're at 10 to 15 minutes on this match. And I think that's extremely generous. Uh, not including entrances. Not including entrances. I mean, yeah. are they, oh, you are they gonna, get entrances? They're just going to throw everyone in, right? It's a battle royal. There's no, like... One person will get an entrance. Two... two Two to three people will get an entrance. Like, Jade might get an entrance. Um, Whoever the Joker is will get an entrance. Yeah. Probably Ruby. So. I, I feel like Ruby's going to get her entrance because maybe they'll use her package the last that she's been promoting. I don't think it's too big of a stretch to say Ruby Soho is going to show up in the Battle Royal on Sunday. And if she doesn't, she'll show up to challenge Brit after her match because I believe that Brit is going to win her match. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going wild. Uh, I'm going wild with my speculation. You know me. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was, once again, if I'm not mistaken, Nelson presenting his tomato paste at show and tell, if I'm not mistaken, a disappointing showing for the AEW women's division again this week. Ruby, I hope you bully that back office into giving you what you deserve and giving you time because man, oh man. They, bully, I don't yes, know. That billionaire is going to be very easily bullied by, yeah. by Ruby. Mean, just do what you can. Like, at least, like, I like whenever Brit said, like, makes, like, you know, like, I mean, it's obvious why we're not getting, like, as much time. She know, like, everybody knows why they're not getting time. It's because Tony doesn't like them. Tony and, doesn't care. You know. Tony doesn't yeah. give a shit. I love that every time Brit talks about getting what she wants out of Tony and her contact negotiations with, negotiations with Tony, and it's because he doesn't give a fuck. You can say whatever the fuck you like. Uh, he's just giggling because one of his dollies said his name. It's just <laughs> very frustrating. Mm-hmm. It continues to be frustrating. I don't know who is advocating for those women backstage. I had hoped it was Brandy. Evidence suggests that Brandy's not advocating for anyone. I don't want to get into it here. And Kenny's not doing it because Kenny just gave that interview where he was like, I kind of hope they have more women on Rampage. <laughs> um, and they don't. So... Kenny's not doing it. I despair. And maybe we have a, after All Out, we might need a State of the Union 
on AEW and people who don't want to listen can get a heads up. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think it's time to revisit their mission statement and see where it stacks up two years in. We're two years in, right? <laughs> we just had the 100th episode. So mm-hmm. I think maybe we talk about that in a couple of weeks and compare yep. against them. Let's do an appraisal. Let's do like a professional appraisal on their job description versus what they're achieving. Because having now seen the talent on Empower, no excuses. Empower with three R's. Arr. But you know, on the upside, Big Show uh, got in the head with a chair this week. So holy making shit. progress. Can making we progress. Fucking stop hitting Let's poor stop Paul hitting... White or anybody in the head with a fucking chair. You really like that's the tool you have to have in your toolbox to tell a story is hitting somebody in the head. You can't imagine doing no. it without that. No. It's just, it's enough. That's what we're doing Fucking now. We hit people in the head it. with chairs. Boom. The the show did open with tag team wrestling. It did. With FTR taking on Santana and Ortiz. So happy to see Cash Wheeler back. Have been extremely worried. Remain extremely worried. Because I know we don't know and so much of it is selling. But he has kept saying how he's like, I don't have all my feeling back in my arm yet. Ha ha. And I'm like, yeah, is it nerve time damage. to be back? I mean, they looked great. They look great. They always look great. I feel like his arm could have been hanging off and he would give you a great match. That man is one of the most dedicated people I've ever had the privilege to speak to. Um, They, As a duo, they are. It was a great match. I don't think it's the end. I don't think they're going out on a loss as as the opening match of Dynamite. I'm not saying they wouldn't go out on their backs because they are total pros and total old school throwback wrestlers in the best possible way. But I don't think you burn that match as an opener on Dynamite. No, I don't think so either. Uh, before we before we go to the break, I do want to shout out Jericho and MJF and their promos for their upcoming 982nd match, which if Jericho loses, he will never wrestle in AEW again. You will be forever etched in the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling, but don't get it twisted, buddy. By the time my career is all said and done, I'll be taking your place. And I know wrestling fans are going to take a long time to get used to that. Hell, I might as well be pro wrestling stepdad because I have your shoes to fill, Christopher. They both did a very good job of making me feel interested in a match that that I genuinely have not wanted to see because I feel like I've seen it already play out. Like, Jericho doesn't need the win back. He's Chris Jericho. All he's doing is helping people. The guy is a certified legend, and before he has to go testify at some January 6th trial, I think it's important... That he just be allowed to do the work, like he doesn't. I don't. I can't imagine that was even his to sit. Like I don't know who the fuck is booking over there. Is he going on tour? He looks like he's getting into tour shape. He might be. Most yeah, people get into ring shape, but Jericho works the other way around. He gets into tour shape and then like takes his time off in the ring. So I don't know. He looked great this week. I thought he looked clear. He looked coherent. Yeah. He looked in good shape. He got his tan done. Uh, but again, yeah, maybe he's getting ready for to standing up and like telling the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth i don't know yeah i i don't care i don't care about this match and i say that with love for everyone involved i i don't care like i don't same but he's (sighs) one of the best of all time like he's so good on the mic it's and so is mjf like they're two guys that could sell you anything they could sell you a a bucket of water he'd sell coals to newcastle that one hal he would he'd sell coals to newcastle perfect I get that reference. If you have any thoughts on this big week in wrestling, find us via the links in the show notes and talk to us about them. When we come back, we're talking all about our favorite faces of Matt Hardy. That's up next on Tights and Fights.
Today's episode of Tights and Fights is brought to you by Soylent. We live in a really weird time where a lot of us, even though we might be eating at home more, don't want to cook, or we are out and about and we forget to make a meal for ourselves. And what do we wind up doing every time you hit the drive through you hit the convenience store, you get a bunch of stuff that's not good for you that makes you feel bad later on. There's another way to replace those meals and to have snacks that are actually healthy and good for you and made with good stuff, and that's through Soylent. You can get a complete meal in powder format or in a bottle. There's no preparation necessary. Just grab it and go. And in those times when you need to replace a meal, you drink it up. And then there isn't a ton of waste. You can just recycle the container afterwards. There's also bars like Soylent Squared. There's complete energy. There's complete protein. There's all these different ways to give your body the thing it needs when it needs it throughout the day in a way that is going to make you feel good later on. So skip the drive through next time and give Soylent a try. Go to Soylent.com forward slash tights and use code tights to get 20% off your first order. That is Soylent.com forward slash tights and code tights for 20% off your first order. If you're sick of constantly arguing with the people closest to you about topics that really aren't going to change the world, we're here to take that stress off of your shoulders. We take care of it for you on We Got This with Mark and Hal. That's right, Hal. If you have a subjective question that you want answered objectively once and for all time for all of the people of the world, questions like, who's the best Disney villain, Mac or PC, or should you put ketchup on a hot dog? That's why we're here. Yes, I get that these are the biggest questions of our time. And we're often joined by special guests like Nathan Fillion, Orlando Jones, and Paget Brewster. So let Mark and Hal take care of it for you on We Got This with Mark and Hal, weekly on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by... Lindsay Kelk. This week, we're giving one corner of wrestling some extra attention. This is our main event. Let's get ready to... Oh! Whoa! Whoa! Oh! Holy shit! WWE Dynamite. I hate ducks! Live, Hal. Uh, ducks are terrible. Really terrible. Oh, I think I have the next thing in the chain. May Young giving birth to the hand. <laughs> it can just be underneath the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> layer it, Julian. Layer it. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Hardy has been in AEW for a little over a year now. First, he was a version of the broken character before Tony Khan decided he didn't like that. Now he's. Do we know that for sure? Was that an interview given? I mean, Tony. I don't know if he said he didn't like the. I'm stretching it a little bit. He said he didn't. He didn't say he didn't like the character. He said he hated the way one of the teleportation things that they did, like the effect. He thought he, it didn't work. And I think from that was basically the beginning of the end of that character in AEW. Just, <laughs> yeah. What a surprise! It. it didn't work. Now he's officially <laughs> become big money. Matt, head of the Hardy Foundation stable. Before we talk about his the entirety of his career. I keep forgetting he is on AEW. Fair. Like this, uh, of all the versions of his character, this is the one with which I have personally connected the least. Because all the HFO does is win, win, win. Money, money, money. And it's going to be no different tonight. And I feel like Matt Hardy's thing is he does things that are, he at least takes big swings, and this doesn't feel like a big swing. Yeah, he's... To me, I think of him as being a very creative wrestler, and this does not feel 
especially creative. It doesn't feel like it fits a big personality. It feels like it's kind of generic and you could apply it to anyone. I don't think of Matt Hardy as being a big money player. Like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sure, he, I'm sure he has lots of money and congratulations, well-deserved, mm-hmm. you work very hard. But it just yeah. seems like a very odd fit to me. There's no reason why he shouldn't have a stable and be bringing up up-and-coming wrestlers. Like, that's a fantastic role for him. But I don't love the big money Matt version of it. He's always had the reputation amongst the two Hardy brothers, Hardy boys, of being the the idea guy. He's the one who has all these ideas. And, and yes, Jeff has has a ton of charisma, is the most charismatic. Jeff's a poet, man. Of the two. Jeff's an artist. There's something, there's something that draws, there's a magnetism to Jeff. Yes. And that he doesn't care about his body and a fluidity to how he moves and how he bumps. There's just something about him that Matt doesn't have. And he would say that, and I think he has said that in interviews. Mm-hmm. He understands. But he has always been the driving force in terms of ideas and creativity. Yep. I mean, the guy has been through a ton just in his wrestling career from starting his his backyard Omega Foundation in North Carolina to working dark matches and and squash matches and WWF programming to finally getting a shot, becoming this huge established tag team. And when they split apart was really like, I kind of liken it to the Beatles breaking up and then George Harrison putting out a triple album. That is, here. here's all my writing that I couldn't fit in because... I, I am a world class songwriter who just happened to be a, in a band with the two with the greatest songwriting team in history. So Talk about I just couldn't get luck. my material out. Yeah. And that <laughs> Yeah, that poor George. Just the worst <laughs> no, I know. Poor fellow. But but that you know, create creatively you got this outpouring from George Harrison when he's out of the band and it's it's a, a fantastic album. I mean, he did a lot of good solo work, but that one in particular is like, here's all the stuff I couldn't get on albums. And Matt Hardy, when he was given the chance to be creative on his own, did what is my favorite version of Matt Hardy, which is Matt Hardy V1, taking advantage of a very young internet culture and making that his thing, which at the time nobody was doing. And all the Matt facts that would show up, that he would write, that appeared on the screen. It was just a really clever presentation, a really good packaging. That's where we got the the V1 hand signal that everybody knows. Like, he just figured out the marketing of it. Like, this is what it needs to be. And, and it worked, and it connected with people. It showed how smart, what a great mind for for wrestling and marketing he has. I thought it was so good. Do you have any memory of V1? Did you get to experience nope. it? Uh, uh, not at all. I ducked out mid nineties and came back uh, mid to late two thousands. So absolutely right. none. Um, but obviously, I've seen. I, I'm aware, and I've gone back and I've seen some stuff. And um, you can't. There's, there's just no way of talking about wrestling in that time without talking about him and how much stuff he originated and like how many things he was a part of. I mean, when you look at TLC matches, like. Mm-hmm. We don't have those without him. Like we don't have a lot of the stuff we have today without Matt Hardy and Jeff as well. But we're talking about Matt today, but like literally sacrificing their bodies to see what can be done. Even his his storyline after he and Lita broke up, and and Lita and, and Edge were together, and taking that real life story and turning it into a wrestling angle. Which look, I, we could certainly debate whether or not that was the right choice. It's but gross since it and happened, I hate it. and it's absolutely it's established <laughs> and it happened. 
and he he carried his part of it really yeah. really well. It's interesting. I was watching the promo when he comes back, and I was watching him talk about it. And we've talked about this mm-hmm. angle so many times, and the wild and rampant misogyny of it, and the harm it did to Lita, and the mm-hmm. the great stuff it did for Edge and Matt, which is fucking nuts. But whether or not you agreed with it whether you agreed with it in context at the time and, and however you reassess it now and how we reevaluate it today it changed mm-hmm. wrestling it did change wrestling it was another one of those pivotal turning points where they did that so now they do that you know it was that was when that started happening yeah contextually now a really hard one to get behind but when you watch it like that promo is from his guts it is all the way from his guts and i actually find it yep. really hard to watch i actually find it very difficult to enjoy because i just can't imagine how painful it was for everyone involved and the only thing that would make me more happy than permanently injuring you edge or ending your career is if you were killed in a car accident before i had the chance ooh, ooh. Mm. I think there are promos and moments, and that is one of them, where it's not meant to be enjoyed as much as as draw you in. Yeah. Agreed. It's not meant to be entertaining. It's meant to have you on the edge of your seat and to engage right. you and to emotionally charge you to be invested in this angle. And, it, and I'm sure at the time, I can't imagine anything that would have charged me up more. It's like a live-action soap opera, right? Which is what wrestling oh, yeah. is, but this was a, like real life live action soap opera this really fucking happened it's yeah. nuts to me that he was able to keep his cool and do this the way that he did how do you remember uh speaking of v1 as a, a nicer <clears throat> better as a more happy story do you remember him trying to make weight to take on Rey mysterio at wrestlemania with um uh, uh, whatever the real hurricane, yeah. But when Greg was, Helms, was uh, no, MF-er. no, it wasn't Greg Helm. It was Shannon Moore. Shannon Moore. That's Shannon Moore was, was his, his little as his mf'er. His oh, Matt followers, yeah. So it great. was the era of Mattitude. The guy, if he wasn't a wrestler, he would definitely be a guy who owned a novelty T-shirt company. And he would have <laughs> twelve homes and and not think COVID was real because he was so rich. All the stuff around the cruiserweight title was great. Him feuding with MVP was great. Like, he had a lot of really good, memorable feuds outside of his him playing the heel to Matt Hardy. Like, he really, like, he's very good at, at, at playing either role. He plays face, heel, extremely well. Lindsay, we, we can't talk about Matt Hardy without talking about his most polarizing personality and your favorite. You want to talk, take us through it Broken Matt Hardy? my favorite. I love Broken Matt Hardy so much. Um, So I came back into wrestling sort of mid to late 2000s and Matt was around. Um, I was looking at a bunch of stuff yesterday and I'm like, wait, all these matches were when I was watching it, the 2008, 2009. And I just, they just didn't resonate with me at all. Um, and I think that's not because they weren't good. It's because I was a 29 year old woman who hadn't watched him before so I was like this just I don't like Linkin Park and I don't like this you know it, it, it was the rap rock of wrestling and that's for someone and it wasn't yeah. for me I could enjoy it but I didn't you know I could watch it and I didn't care about it so when they left when the Hardys left you know I still had edge so I'm like I'm golden and I just moved on with my wrestling fandom and it was really it was the episode of Talk is Jericho so I had heard about this broken mat thing it was sort of 
on the edge of my, on the periphery of my wrestling fandom. I was really very heavily a um, <laughs> AEW, uh, WWE only. I just started going to PWG and stuff like that. So I was starting to get into other stuff and I'd heard about it and I was listening to Talk is Jericho, which I used to listen to all the time. And they had the Broken Matt interview. If you have not heard that interview, like it is in the archives, you can go back and find it. I remember I was in England. I was in England on a book tour. I was walking around town because it's my favorite way to get around London is just to walk and to listen to podcasts. And I remember walking for so far, for so long and not getting on the tube so that I could take, my, my journey would take longer so I could listen to the whole thing because it's fucking nuts and completely amazing. You can't tell how much Jericho is in on it. Matt Hardy explaining the broken character in character, uh, explaining how he is Damascus in the Matt Hardy vessel, explaining the seven deities, explaining Vanguard One and Skarsgård the dilapidated boat and Brother Nero and how he's going to delete Brother Nero. And all of this is just... I can't... There are no words. There's only chef's kiss emojis. It is just... From a storytelling perspective and as a storyteller who loves to see great, well-told, considered storytelling in her wrestling. So beautiful. Because this should have been too far for me. This should have been one step beyond. But because he committed to it in the way that he did, and because everyone was behind him with it, every, you know, no one at any point was like, don't be fucking stupid, you're Matt Hardy. Like, everyone was just like, yeah, okay, he's, he's Damascus now. <laughs> like, he is a vessel. One of the best characters I've ever seen created for wrestling. I'm glad that you enjoyed it that much. I'm glad that you can be glad for me. <laughs> I think it's, I, I don't think it's against, I, for me, what worked well about it was that he, again, I know people love impact, but he was experimenting somewhere where there were very low stakes because yes, there totally. was not a huge audience there. So there's no, like, who are they really beholden to? Right? Like, the like Bass Pro Fishing Shops or whoever's giving them money. Like I don't know where the money's coming from. I don't think they know where the money's coming from. You or don't going ask. Out to don't ask. Don't time. tell. Just take the money. So it allows you. You can do things there that when you take them to a larger stage, don't work as well. I I think that that WWE did the best that they that they are capable of with something like that. Mm-hmm. It is. A, a step beyond where the Wyatts were. Yes. the Wyatts felt like a horror movie that Bro- Broken Matt Hardy feels like Troll 2. Yes. So... Yeah, well, yeah, Broken is, Matt's like a tra- trauma movie, like a trauma movie, and the yeah, Wyatt family tra- was more like a che- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know? Yes. Trauma movies have their place. And they don't go together. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, nobody's going to the Egyptian to watch the Toxic Avenger. I, I, it is I, a I cult film. That. <laughs> that people enjoy. They didn't show it at the at the Egyptian. <laughs> no, I saw it. In, it wasn't the Egyptian. Avengers. I saw it in a cinema in New York. I told them, yeah. In a theater, oh, yeah. I... Of course. Well, of course, there are theaters that will show it. Of course, that's our, that's the grindhouse cinema of today, and there's a place for it, and it's great, and it is not any less filmmaking than anything else. There's a challenge there in translating those things to a wider audience, and it fell down at WWE, and it fell down in AEW. So I think that the the positive thing is that. It worked at that bright in those bright shining moments in impact. It worked. Nothing can ever take those away. You will always have the first time you watched it. 
and you can throw out the rest. I enjoyed it in WWE. I just think I didn't enjoy it as much because I'd already seen it. And I would be really interested to talk to people who hadn't already seen it, um, who aren't you. Because I know you hated it. But I'm, I'm, especially like the younger fans, I'm really curious to see how it resonated with younger fans. They tried, they, I mean, they very much just lifted the final deletion and just transposed it onto a Wyatt feud, which... yeah. It just felt like a real shame because that it could have been fantastic, Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt, but we never really got to the bottom of why they were fighting, apart from that they were both a bit weird. Due to my condition, I have laid dormant inside this vessel called Matthew Hardy. But now, thanks to the consumer of terrestrial entities, I have been woken. The difference for me is... Number one, the way in which the characters are pulled off. Both both Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy 100% committed to their characters. But Bray Wyatt feels like he was born around a spooky campfire. Yes. And Matt Hardy feels like a bunch of teenage friends at lunchtime with a video camera. Like, oh, he's doing the character again. Film him. Let's interview him about it. He's going to give a bunch of wacky balls answers yeah. that make no sense. That character does not work outside of a low... A lower budget, smaller league place where where you are free to it, run yeah. to run wild. It needs with it. so and much time okay. and focus because it needs to be explained. It is a character that yeah. needs its mythology. It needs he needs to be able to sit and explain to you everything that's happening. Otherwise, it makes no sense. Uh, yeah, and, and I, you don't have that outside of an impact. And I really don't say that as an insult to Impact, but it is not a, as big an entity as no. as AEW or WWE, which makes it a great place. To yeah, try stuff out. It means there's a lot stuff. of good stuff that that people don't see, and it's also a great place to test right. stuff that may only work there. It's why there's a bunch of great gimmicks on the indies that you never see translate when people are like, "Oh, I love that on the indies," but it just doesn't translate because it's not going to get the time and the focus and the attention. Also, something mm-hmm. like a Broken Matt Hardy needs to be the focus, and on a Roar, it gets yeah. lost. On a Roar, it's one segment out of ten, so it's hard to find it. I, I I did think watching his promo when he joined AEW, watching it back. Oh, chuckles. But but he was very much like, I came here because it's all about new talent and bringing people forward. And I didn't come here to make it all about me. I came here to make it all about the new talent and bringing people up. You might want to pop back and play that video again, Matt, because you might look at the all out card and see how you still feel about that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Save it for the review. Save it for the review. If you want to talk more about Matt Hardy from over the years, go to our social media accounts via the links in our show notes. When we come back, we've got three things from the world of wrestling that you should know about. That's up next on Tights and Fights. Tights and Fights is also brought to you by Smalls. Give your feline friend protein-packed meals they'll crave with Smalls. You guys, I don't know if you know this. But we love wrestle cats. Actually, you know, we love all cats. Uh, Tights and Fights is a cat pro podcast. We're pro all animals, but you know, we're especially fond of the feline particular pet, especially when it comes to wrestle cats. I have cats. Danielle has cats. Hal loves cats. They're Hal's favorite thing in the whole wide world. Julian has a cat. Hal, <laughs> Hal loves cats because cats love Hal. I think that's what's important to know here. Uh, And if you really love your cat, I know that you want to get the best nutrition for your cat baby. That is why we're talking about Smalls today. Smalls is fresh, it's human-grade food, and it is for your cats delivered right to your doorstep. I don't know if you know this, but cats are obligate carnivores. They need protein-packed meat 
packed meals. That is what they need to survive and live their best lives. Don't you want them to be best friends with Tubby Tomato? Don't you want them to be good friends with Alice with Natty's cats? Yes, you do. So you need to feed them the best stuff. Uh, Smalls is better quality ingredients, which can mean a better quality of life for your cat. So all we're asking is, I'm talking shit now. So Smalls is better quality ingredients, which can mean a better, healthier life for your cat. Switching to Smalls can improve your cat's digestion. It can mean a less smelly litter box. I think all cat owners know that that's a plus. And it means a softer, shinier coat and better breath, which is just really a blessing for you. The cat doesn't care, but it's nice for you. Take a short quiz on smalls.com slash tights to customize your sampler and use code tights for a total of 30% off your first order. That's smalls.com slash tights, code tights. Are you ready to binge watch something old? The Greatest Generation is a podcast about Star Trek by a couple of hosts a little bit embarrassed to even have a Star Trek podcast. Hosted by me, Ben Harrison. And me, Adam Pranica. We get into the critical, the technical, the science fictional aspects of the show we love while roasting it and each other at the same time. We've completed an entire series about Star Trek The Next Generation and another one about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And we've just begun Star Trek Voyager. So now is a great time to start watching a new Star Trek series with us. So subscribe to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts and become a friend of DeSoto today. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by... Lindsay Gelk. This week, we want to end the show by sharing some of the joy of wrestling with you. This is The Three Count. Lindsay? I would like to put over the NWA Empower Battle Royal. Uh, Of all the matches that I saw, and there were a bunch of really good matches, but that one I absolutely loved. It was the Invitational, the NWA first first Invitational. It implied there will be a second, so I was happy with that. It was super fun. It had a bunch of talent in that was new to me. We started out um, Chelsea Green. spoilers you're gonna watch it or you're not but Chelsea Green was one of the first entrants and Chelsea Green won if you can believe it so the winner won the a a cup which was lovely who doesn't like getting a cup and a chance to face the NWA women's champion the following night which she did in an unsuccessful event uh, attempt against uh, Camille but it was just super fun with a ton of really great talent some that I knew and some that I didn't Marty Bell uh, no she was in earlier in the night sorry Kiara Hogan who we saw in AEW getting jobbed out to Jade a couple of weeks ago which I was fucking furious about then and remain furious because she was amazing in this battle royal she made it to the final three please check her out she is so fucking good just some really great talent that I had never seen so if you're going to check out anything at all from that show I would I would say check out the Molina Diana Parazzo match if you like violence if father you crave violence but if you want to see a bunch of really great women doing some really fun wrestling and meet some new stars that are up and coming check out the battle royale from the end it was great what do you do when the chips are down and you have 35 dollars to your name what do you do you go to las vegas and you turn it around like happy corbin did that is what i'm putting over this week here's just a little bit of our new fedora wearing daddy happy corbin i'm on fire 
Got myself a new shirt. Baron Corbin for the presidential suite. <laughs> I love Vegas. I'm a sweet. More than you make in a year, pal. And finally, Julian is here to round out our three count. Julian, the floor is yours. Uh, first of all, I'm very sad they didn't call him Cash Corbin, uh, but that's not what I'm going to put over. Uh, I'm going to put over, uh, everybody knows the tragedy that uh, the wrestling community had to uh, had to face this week. Daphne Younger, uh, you guys might know her as um, uh, the Scream Queen on WCW, and uh, I think she was also doing a lot of work on TNA and on Impact back in the day. Uh, she, uh, she uh, you know, committed suicide this week. Um, and it was honestly, I, first of all, I'm going to put over her career. She was incredibly talented. Um, incredibly like she, I don't think, I don't know if any one promotion ever quite capitalized on her, maybe as much as she deserved or her talent called for, but her work speaks for itself all the same. She was incredible, but more than that, she just seems to be somebody I, I, I underestimated because you never hear about these relationships behind the scenes until it, it until, you know, years later. But it seems like so many people love this woman. Um, so many people sharing their pictures from her without throughout the years and throughout the decades. And I think the message of everybody just kind of came together and the wrestling community gave itself a little a, a big old hug together and kind of just in in mourning. So, you know, raise a glass for the Scream Queen. It's a terrible tragedy. And go back and watch some of her matches if you'd like to celebrate her in a way. Go read some of the wrestlers' stories who are kind of sharing about what she meant to their careers, whether it was just talking to her for a few minutes at a meeting, at a meet and greet, or people that got to share a ring with her. Uh, Daphne Younger, rest in peace. Um, And that's all I really got to say about it. I just want to add, if you are feeling depressed or having suicidal thoughts, the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-8255. You can also go to their website, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. So get the help that you need. Help is out there, and we need each and every one of you here with us. That does it for this episode of Tights and Fights. This week, your hosts were Lindsay Kelk along with me, Hal Loveland. Again, you can see our live show. It is next Sunday, September 12th at 12.30 p.m. Pacific Time, 8.30 p.m. BST. You can find out more information in the show notes of this episode. Also, the day before, on Saturday, September 11th, at the same time, we got this with Mark and Hal, is having special guest Paget Brewster join us. We are also doing a show for the London Podcast Festival at the exact same time of day, 12.30 p.m. Pacific Time, 8.30 p.m. British Standard Time. That is a virtual streaming event, so all are welcome. You can find a ticket link at my Twitter account, at Hal Lublin. That is where that information is. Lindsay? Yeah, same old, same old. I got books. Um, but yeah, just to end on a positive note about the community is I, I love our Tights and Fights community and how much we take care of each other and look after each other. So uh, let's all give each other a big virtual hug on Twitter. I'm at Lindsay Kelk. Hal's at Hal Lublin. Danielle's at Danielle Radford. Uh, I think there's some more underscores and stuff. But you can find it through Tights and Fights too, at Tights and Fights. So yay us for being supportive. Let's keep that up and keep that energy up for everyone else in our lives, too. Our producer, Julian Burrell, has pay-per-view burnout. 
Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music, so we're putting him over for that. Keep up with us all week long on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Discord. Links to all of those are in our show notes. If you love what we do, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts and share us with all your friends. Thank you so much to the Max Fun members who make this show possible. We'll be back next week for even more, you guessed it, wrestling. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported